Oh, hi there. It's James. Um, just interrupting this broadcast to say, if you like the podcast, can you please go onto iTunes, subscribe to it, leave a review, say how much you like it, and maybe get in touch with us. <laughs> Hakuna Matata! It means no worries! If you like wine, if you like a bargain, if you live in London and your name is Justin. Marvin. Marvin, that's better. Uh, why not get involved with the Drop Wine app? You can download it at dropwine.co.uk and they will deliver wine to wherever you are in London within the hour. Quite the service. Great selection of wines. So um, get involved with that and you'll get £10 off your first order when you enter Kitchen on Fire in the promo code. So, you know, fill your boots and then your glass and then your mouth and your gullet and then your belly and then the lavatory. Don't argue the gala. You don't argue the gala. <laughs> you... <laughs> this is incredibly embarrassing, but it's um, it's counting crows, <laughs> August <laughs> and everything. <laughs> piddly piddly piddly, diddly diddly do, Tom York. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's quite cool, Sam. I think this is really great that the week we can well, not talk about, but at least mention um, our next project. It's rather appropriate that our guest is sort of within the wheelhouse of said project. Yeah, although this will be a week after, won't it? Yeah, but this is the first podcast we've recorded that yeah, we can yeah, talk yeah. about. Yeah, do you yeah. understand that? Yeah, I do, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Well, he might think that we're getting him in here to... Gloat. Yeah. Or gloat. start fighting. Yeah, threaten him. Yeah, I'm going to threaten him. Who is the guest? His name is Owen. What does he do? He runs Monty's with his co- friend Mark, the mm. co-founder or co-owner. So sorry. are we going to maybe talk to him about what it's like running a thing with your mate? Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll have some sort of, you know, similar experiences there, Sam. And how fascinating will that be? And then, what's our new project? What? What's our oh, new... Oh, you're asking me what's that. What's our new project? We're making some sandwiches, James. We're opening a sandwich shop in King's Cross called Sons and Daughters. It's going to be great. That's all we're going to say at the moment. Yeah. But, but we had a good day today, didn't we? We had a great day in the kitchen. Testing and then eating... Sandwiches. Do you yeah. ever call them sangers? No, I don't like that. You call them sangers sometimes, don't you? I kind of tongue in cheekly, yeah. though. I'm uh, not wild about that word, no. Um, yeah, good test day. Good test day. Progress being made, which is nice. Um, yeah, there's been a few moments where we've tested a sandwich and it's been like, ah, oh, that's sort of not very good or yeah. not good enough. And I think by the nature sort of of what we're trying to do with the sandwiches, which we'll get into another time, but um, in a way it makes it harder. You know, Sorry, say that again. The kind of the vibe that we're doing with the sandwiches, which I said we won't get into mm. now, but it makes it harder in a way. Absolutely. Um, in the way that We've we are doing. Created quite the rod for our backs. Um, but we're, we're not averse to doing that. Yeah. Um, but no, it's exciting. It's good. We had a good night last night. We 
did a test of the men you were doing in the Haunted Monastery in Greece in July. But we're not doing the Haunted Monastery anymore. I know we're not, but okay, it's a much it's better line than going, oh, we're just doing it in some swank villa. Yeah, okay, we're doing it in a Haunted Monastery. <laughs> yeah, it's much better. We've hired a ghost um, monk. Uh, and that went well as well. Tono del Chianti, James. It's quite the, the substance, isn't it? Tell us about that. Dario, I'll say his name wrong. Cicchini. Cicchini. Uh, does the thing have you watched his um, yeah. chef too was it good yeah yeah it's fun um, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that guy no um, it's yeah you cook pork fatty pork we did pork shoulder cook it really slowly glass of white wine cover it in olive oil two bulbs of garlic bay leaves rosemary salt and pepper that pork heavy then cook it for two hours in a low oven and it comes out and it looks kind of like tuna and you know like comfy tuna in oil um, and then we just have it with beans and some pickled onions and it was delicious that's, it really was I mean that's a lot of food chat from me for one week <sighs> too much people yeah, are going to be like come on Sam what's your what's your wacky take on this week's news going to be uh, well the wackiest news that I heard today James yeah which I thought I would share with you did you hear about the woman with the wasps in her eyes no that were feeding on her tears oh that is good true fact four live bees did so I say bees, wasps not wasps well, same thing wasps are fucking cooler um, yeah she had a swollen eye and swollen uh, did she sing that <laughs> and a swollen swollen eye yeah um, the 29 year old uh, went to the doctor and they discovered four bees living under her eyelids feasting on her tears they must have been very small bees um, tears tears yeah. are very salty, aren't they? But he pulled them out without hurting them. The doctor did, and she without been, hurting her eyes or the bees. The her eyes fine, and the bees are fine. The bees didn't die. They were small bees then. Yeah, yeah. They're called they're called like tear duct bees. Is that a thing then? Yeah, I think so. Um, the only reason she didn't blind herself was because she didn't rub her eyes, which is insane. Really? They're called I'd, sweat you know, bees. I'd be in trouble, wouldn't I, Sam? Um, love a good eye rub but adding to this tale James do you know how they got into her eyeball guess what she was doing and it's very up my street I don't know she, well she wasn't beekeeping nope it's something to do with honey nope that would not be up my yeah I thought you were ironically saying it was no, up your street I wasn't being ironical um I don't know was she skiing nope she whitewater rafting you're saying lots of things sailing. that aren't up my alley. Sailing. No, she Playing golf. Sailing. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, the next thing I'm going to say is just going to be offensive to you, so okay. you do it. What were you going to say? Sitting in the garden, doing fuck all. Okay. Um, she had been tending to a family member's grave. Oh. How does she know that was the moment? Well, because it was after that her eye swelled up. And then she went to the Okay, doctor. so they weren't like there for years. No, no, no. Okay. She was pulling weeds from around her family grave. Oh. And then she got these ghost bees in her eye. Ghost bees? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Including a you... <laughs> story I read about a man, the luckiest man in the world, Sam. Mm-hmm. Very lucky man indeed. Do you know what happened to him? Forgetful man he was, is, probably still is, might be dead. It's like, forgetful man is a lucky bugger because he won the lottery twice. Because he forgot he'd bought a ticket. So he bought another ticket 
but he always used the same numbers. So it's like he didn't win the lottery twice. It's a silly story. It annoyed me. I was like, if anything, he's wasted two pounds fifty because they don't give you the money twice, do they? It seems like one of those weird logic things I don't understand. Stupid story. Yeah. If you buy a ticket with the same numbers, right, yeah. and then you buy another ticket with identical numbers, yeah, and you win, you haven't won the lottery twice. You've just bought two tickets. Oh yeah, that is true. You're an idiot. Yeah. You've wasted two pounds fifty. He's going to be kicking himself. Yeah. He's going to rue that day. I feel like he's not ruining much. Michelle, he, making him. I mean, f- fucking hell, Michelle. I wonder Rue. if ever we get him on here, that's our opening gambit. I bet How often do you rue the day? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he rues every day. <laughs> Since birth, he's rued every day. He he's brought rue to bear. Was your pro- <laughs> my? <laughs> I'll be like, was was your proudest moment when you invented that sauce? By just mixing up flour and butter together. Because <laughs> it's not very nice to eat, to be honest, mate. It's not. <laughs> but yeah, you're d- doing it wrong. You should be mixing it with stuff. I, I don't. Do you know what his favourite... eat it from a jar. His favourite water-based sport is. Um, water-based sport? Yeah. Water polo? <laughs> no. <laughs> he probably likes that. He looks like... Because he's very yeah, lean. Yeah, he is lean. lean. I hated water polo. Oh, God, I hated water polo more than anything. I like playing it for bands. I didn't know you... Well, I, I did know you could play it properly, but not in, like, school or something. Oh, we played it at school. Did I you? drowned so many times. Really? It was an awful game. Sed- sadistic. Do you have to do it in the deep end? Well, yeah. So, so if you're in the shadow... Yeah, that's what I'm team, saying. Like, in a pool, like on a holiday. Oh, no, but you'd play end-to-end. What, the whole pool? Yeah, mate. It was fucking awful. And there were big kids who were good swimmers who were very good at it. And, oh, I smashed a tooth. <laughs> Just trying to get out so quickly. It was awful. Um, yeah, so you don't know what his favourite water-based sport is? No. Ruing. <laughs> yeah. That That's good. lovely. Yeah, lovely stuff. Was, yeah. um, Can we call this episode Water Polo with Michelle Rue? Well, you, well, you pointed out, actually, that all of the episode titles have been really bleak, mm. um, which I hadn't realised. Get in. Because um, I never, sort of, never look at them one after the other. But, yeah, a lot of... Bleak titles recently. Not bleak, just sort of yeah, heavy, sort of yeah, heavy imagery, image, image heavy. Sam, yeah, that's me. I'm very heavy <laughs> with imagery. Uh, I, I feel I had another note, but I can't get onto my Slack. Um, oh, what are you did tonight? Uh, it's the Scott Jake challenge. Um, I'm entering my cold scotch egg because everyone's like, oh, gastro pub, you got to do a hot scotch egg. Back in the day, scotch eggs were cold. Yeah. So anyway, you know, those, those fellas jumping on their coaches in the 18th century, picking up a scotch egg at Fortnum's, Sam. Yeah. They, were, they were, didn't have a hot scotch egg with a runny yolk. They had a cold scotch egg. So I'm doing a cold scotch egg as if it was a picnic. And do you know how I'm... Evoking the sights, 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 the sights and scenes, the sights and sounds of a English picnic. It's getting a bit Brexity, this Scotch. Yeah, it is. Were yes, yeah, doing a little nettle mayonnaise, and then I've got a load of wood ants that I'm going to chuck on the Scotch egg. So it's like ants at a picnic. It's quite a great British menu, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, mm. I was. I did offer originally. I was going to um, help you out to sort of add to the theme and just walk up to the table of judges and throw a jar full of wasps in their faces. Because that would have been super like an English picnic. And funny. Yeah, but I couldn't find any wasps. 
It's quite hard to come by wasps. Yeah. Come by wasps. <laughs> but when you don't want them, then they're there. Very good Awful point. Awful creatures. I tried to collect some ants in the kitchen. Did you? Yeah. What else, Sam? I don't know, really. Do you yeah. want to know what I cooked on Sunday? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you cook on Sunday? I was in a funny mood for some reason. Funny ha-ha or Not, funny odd? No, just sort of odd. And it was a sort of miserable grey day, and Rosie said she wanted me to cook a pie for lunch because we had some people coming over. And I thought, a pie sounds like a bit of a faff. You've got to make a, you've got to make a roux, for starters, and you're going to re- regret that. And, uh, and But I did fancy chicken. And I thought, do you know what would be simpler than making a pie? Boning out the entire chicken into a galantine, making a parfait with livers, stuffing said chicken, avec said parfait, rolling it up, wrapping it in mortadella, then wrapping it in puff pastry, and then baking it like a sort of chicken wellington. It was a real hassle, but it was pretty good, Sam. Good. I was pretty pleased with my handiwork. Very impressed you just decided to bone out a chicken. Well, the kids were out of the house, so I thought I've got a good hour to bone this chicken. <laughs> I hate to tell you what I do when the kids are out of my house. Please do. I said I'd, I would hate to tell you. You would hate to tell me. Yeah, so I but, won't. Yeah, but you said it sort of like, but I'll tell you, because... No, okay. I mean, listeners are imagining all sorts now. You better... Let them imagine. That's on them. That's on them. That is true. It's not my job to put images in other people's heads I think you watch QVC what's that it's shopping channel oh yeah no right. I don't watch that do you no I'm not going to answer this do question do you make loads of toast no no do you eat all cereal no I do have cereal at home do you take your clothes off <coughs> no that's hotel rooms uh, do you have a really long lovely shower no do you... <laughs> this is not fun. Lie on the floor, meditate, and then cry for a bit? No. All right. For I'm read, out of ideas. Read a book and fall asleep. Probably. Yeah. Winky wink. That you winked, <laughs> I didn't wink. I think it sounds like you do quite a lot of winking when your kids are at the house. <laughs> well, do you do it when they're there? That's fucking weird. Let's move on. What have you got, Sam? I don't have anything. I had the wasps thing. You didn't have the wasps. Oh, yeah, the bee thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bees. <laughs> and then wasps in a jar. Bees, wasps. Yeah, I'm all about... Who are you predicting to be victorious in the Scotch Egg Challenge? Uh, you said Callum Franklin's in it. Oh, yeah, that fucker. So, so he'll win. Because, I mean, he is a guy who's got nothing better to do with his time than fuck around with stuff like that. Except Scotch Egg. No pastry on that, my friend. Yeah, but... Farce. Force meat. He's a farce. <laughs> A duke can cook a pie, though. Give yeah. him that. His scotch egg will be exceptionally well executed. Yeah. Is there enough love going into his food, though, Sam? It's a little bit mathematical. Well, there's pies. I don't think you can... You don't want a, do you want a lovey pie? Sam, love you, is the best ingredient in oh the kitchen. Oh, God, I wish people would stop saying that. But when do people say that? There's a whole fucking Dave Chang podcast Ooh. with Aaron Franklin, and they kept going, yeah, what it is, though, the reason that Aaron Franklin's brisket or whatever is better than anybody else's is just, well, I just think it's the amount of love that goes into it. And Dave Chang's like, I totally agree. He and I was the, thinking, what Is that fuck? what you do when the kids are out? You <laughs> no. Make um, some brisket. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. It's, it's a technical thing, isn't it? Take an ingredient, do something to it. Yeah, but... Uh, I I was always boring when we disagree with each other but the point is if if you love what you're doing and you're putting you know cliches all these things are you're putting your heart and soul in then you are just 
by definition going to be making a little bit more effort. Right, right, right. And you're going to want to make it taste yeah, as yeah, no, properly no, 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 delicious. Yeah. No, as, but I, I don't think we're disagreeing. I just I wouldn't say that. I mean. Callum Franklin loves his pies. Yeah, he does love. I mean, I was being facetious. He loves a pie. Yeah. He's the old pie lover. So that's why his pies are so good, because he loves yeah. pies. So. Exactly. That's why they're so, so good. Because oh, you just walked so into your just, own trap. Oh, I set myself a gelatin and pork-based trap. Do you like a pie? Yeah, love a pie. Do you? Really love a pie. What's your favourite pie? I like all pies. All pies great and small? Yeah. No, I'm a tell, fan. Tell me about a pie you've had lately. Uh, well, I haven't had one lately, mm-hmm. but... Um, if you I, I don't mind the old supermarket pie in a little foil tray and put it in the oven. Delicious. What's wrong with that? There's no love has gone into those. No, but they you taste hope. good. They're fine. They're never as good as I want them to be, but they're fine. Best pie in the biz? The pork pie at Appleton's in Ripon. I'm really? sure I've talked about it on the pod before. One of the last, if not the last, exclusively pork butchers left in the country. Really? All they do is pork. And... Uh, they make an unbelievable pork pie, Sam. Our move at home, get home, pop it in the agar, have a hot pork pie. That's a weird move. Mustard. Gala. Um, they do a gala? A gala. Uh, what is a gala pie? Is that got an egg in it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a pork pie with an egg in the middle. Yeah, they do a gala. Yeah? I think there's a gala pie on my blog somewhere. You just put... Yeah, you don't want that like warm egg there in the middle. No, no, you don't want to warm up a gala pie. You don't put a gala in the agar. You don't want a hot agar. <laughs> a hot agar. You don't want a hot agar in the agar. You don't agar the gala. You don't agar the gala. <laughs> What's the other pie place called? What, Callum Franklin's place? No, your place. Appleton's. Appleton's. It's on the Market Square in Ripon. Is it? Fucking great. What else is on that Market Square? Uh, there's a Sainsbury's, the Bank, I think the Nat West, and the Lloyd's is closed. Terrible times. There's a ZZ, used to be a Burton menswear. Oh, um, nice. Do you ever rock some Burton menswear? Absolutely, back yeah, yeah, big time. Big time. Lovely stuff. Boots, Super Drug, a Thomas the Baker, yeah. a Baker's Oven, uh, Yorkshire Clothing Company. I mean, this is like one of those games that you have <laughs> yeah. to see how many in a minute you can name. My brother would be very good at that. Um, wow. Um, probably a few, was, a few was, charity shops. I want, shops. I want there to be some sort of funnier shops there's there. There's a booze shop. Right. There's, a, there's a, a, a menswear store called John Barry. John Barry? Yeah. Right. Um, Does it have that yellow um, acetate in the windows so that the clothes don't get sun-faded? Uh, but it makes everything look sun-faded. Um, not sure about that. Before you've even gone in. Oh, and then there's the, uh, the hotel, which name completely escapes me. I want to say Unicorn. Do you know why I want to say that? Because that is what it's called. It's called the Unicorn Hotel, and it's now got Weatherspoons in it. Has it? So my brother Matt... Uh, oh, shout out to Matt, he's just had a baby. Oh, yeah. Um, he used to, when he lived up there, he used to go to Weatherspoons of a Saturday morning, have the two ninety nine breakfast, and probably quite a few pints. Nice. <laughs> have you ever stayed in the Unicorn? It'd be very strange to stay in a hotel. Well, I suppose people do that, but no, I haven't. No. Ripper Market Square. And there's the taxi rankers on the square. And when we were younger, we used to go and probably have a few pints in the unicorn sort of age 16 and then go and sit on the other side of the square ringing the taxi rank number and not abusing them <laughs> and eventually they busted me never been more scared in my life or ran more fast more fast faster really I rude that what were you doing then get them to come pick you up and then no showing no no they were just going to pick it up and I'd go like ah <laughs> hello <laughs> awesome what fun it, if I ever go to Ripon can I do that yeah, but we'll do Bane voice down there. Yeah. Oh, 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 come and collect me from. That'd be good. Oh, that wasn't a good impression. 
right. And then there's a at obelisk there, town crier still to this day, 9 pm. <laughs> blows a horn on each corner of the obelisk. Every day? Every night, 9 pm. Big, uh, big honour that, big role. Ripping town crier, look it up. What? But he's not even a town crier, he's blowing a trumpet. Town criers say, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, that's right, he's the hornblower. The hornblower of Ripon. Why does he do that? It's just one of those sort of, you know, honorary... Does he get paid? I don't think so. I think it's like a a great honour. But how do you get that honour? To be the hornblower. Um, Would you blow the horn? I... No. No, I think you've got to be of a certain type to want to do that sort of civic duty. But you say it's a big honour. When you move back, then you'll be like... And so they come a knocking. Oh, if I got asked, you step up. You don't every refuse. day at nine o'clock. You don't turn down the horn at nine o'clock on a that's in the middle evening. of that's like the middle of dinner. Yeah. Well, you go blue rinse on it, or very late, go Spanish. Spanish or blue rinse. The choice is yours. So you'd blow horn. If I was asked to blow horn, I'd have to blow horn. The old horn blower of Ripon, <laughs> James Ramston. That's brilliant. Well, Owen's going to be here in a minute. So, Owen Barrett, I don't think we ever said his name. Yeah, so join us after the jingle for Owen Barrett, co-founder of Monty's Deli. Whoop, whoop. So thanks for th- thanks for joining. Pleasure. Are you um, are you? Is this like an escape from work, or are you? Uh, you it, know, it, sort of, yeah, it is. It is. Are you there? all the time and I have been there a lot but um, the last six months I've been not there so much because I worked way too much in the first two years right. and uh, I've got terrible RSI in my really? in this hand oh crikey and some back problems and some other stuff awful for you but it's actually been amazing it's like it's meant that I've stepped out of the kitchen and started doing all the other stuff that I was doing badly better like what invoices right <laughs> <laughs> accounts yeah okay so yeah, yeah. so yeah. you are sort of over everything are you yeah so mark and i do yeah pretty much every we have uh we touch every single part of the business yeah. which is not ideal but um why is that not ideal uh there's just too much to do right well as opposed to delegating you know accounts to yeah, we have an we have an accountant, but there's just stuff that wasn't being done right properly. And, and how are you before? Obviously, you were in the kitchen a yeah. lot. And how do you and Mark sort of split your? So when we moved, we used to do everything together. Like we'd spend all the week in the kitchen prepping all the stuff for the weekend in Druid Street. And then when we moved into Hoxton Street, I took over the kitchen and Mark did front of house. Um, and, that, and now you're sort of getting out of the kitchen. Are you on his territory, or that's being good <laughs> for him? No, I'm terrible with uh, customers. I think. Well, I don't. I don't. You don't. I don't do you not enjoy? I don't it? like to do it. No, I get very. Um, I was a waiter for years, but I think I lost the. Uh, <laughs> lost the. Where did you wait? Uh, in big conferences whilst I was at uni. Right. And in university catering. Okay. That's quite, that's quite similar to me because I used oh, yeah. to be a waiter for ages and then when we did when we opened Pigeon and we both worked on the floor and I was sort of oh I'll work on the bar in the bar at Pigeon is sort of you know two foot across or whatever but um, didn't I sort of lost that thing of being comfortable at tables and yeah. and now the idea of it just I just don't know what to do with my 
hands and <laughs> how to react. I've got to do a shift tomorrow night, and now I'm going to be like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> oh, it's completely screwed with my head. Don't touch your face. That's what they say. I probably do that all the time. <laughs> I, I, would, I think now I'd probably be there, like just scratching the back yeah. of my hair. So yeah. It'd be disgusting. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to see that. No. Not you, but yeah, yeah. lice falling from the yeah. But um, and you said you got RSI in your hand because mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast the other day with um, Aaron Franklin, who does the oh, bar- yeah. barbecue. And I, he was, I listened to that one. The Dave Chang <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. And he was saying about how wrecked his body is because yeah. the actual. I mean, you're not smoking. Uh, on the level that he was or whatever but just the amount of meat that you're yeah. shifting around working with briskets and stuff like that yeah we, we certainly don't move as much as they do but we're doing 500 kilos a week of brisket oh my god so that's that's a big strain on your back just just in, on, in Hoxton or across the across the three sides right. um, so and you have to you have to move that meat three times a week so you're lift, lifting 1500 kilos a ton and a half. Of yeah. So it really, and a lot of, we really made a mistake when we moved into Hoxton, which is our main production facility, um, because we were used to kind of working in uh, kitchens that we just put together in warehouses, railway arches. We were like, it's such a luxury to have our own space. We don't really mind what the kitchen looks like. Just put the floor in, and we'll put in benches and stuff. So all the benches, it's a hodgepodge of like right. crappy benches we got off the back of lorries and nothing's the right height. So I'm always like bent over. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a nightmare, but we're fixing it. Because I thought that's, I can't stop referring to that one podcast as we talked about it before you arrived as well. But um, the thing that people don't realise how physical it is working in kitchens and there's been especially doing what yeah. you know, and working with big bits of meat, but any kitchen, how tough it is on the body or whatever is... Yeah, it's it's a real workout, but also it's the same. It's like repetitive movements that are exactly the same. And for me, because I'm right-handed, it's all in my right hand with one particular like chopping yeah. and lifting tendon, and in the shoulder and the bottom of my back, which was stuck together. So the back guy sort of clicked it out, and now it's fine. So you're hitting the osteopath on a sort of weekly basis at the moment? Yes, he's he's very pleased to oh, have me. Yeah, <laughs> You're not just paying him in sandwiches? No, he's in Reading. <laughs> <laughs> Mail order Montes. It could be the next thing. Well. Uh, mm. <laughs> That's a great, great sort of ellipsis. I'll do a, I'll do a big cut there and play <laughs> some, like, spooky music. Dun, dun, Till dun. sounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what, is the, what was the Montes genesis? Um, so Mark started it um, as a market store in uh, ages and ages ago, maybe 2011. Yeah. Um, and I think I joined him a year later after I was I was doing music and then um, and I didn't have anything to do, so I spent like six weeks. What was your band? Uh, Nightworks, we were called. It, uh, Gabriel Stebbing is the kind of he made the album he was in uh, Metronomy and Christine and the Queens most recently and now he's back doing that project but right. at the time we had a little hiatus okay and um, and you knew Mark through that yeah it was Gable that put us together right. um, <clears throat> they were friends on Instagram and I was I think Gabriel had filmed me smoking a pastrami <laughs> in my back garden and Mark's like who's you, this you guy rock stars. <laughs> smoke, you smoke anything <laughs> Well, there's not a lot to do in between yeah. <laughs> so Monday to Friday. Yeah. Um, 
yeah so we met we met that way I went to help him just because I was bored and then we hit it off and I could kind of do the stuff that he was doing um I was going to say it's so much like our origin story, except I couldn't do the things that he could do. <laughs> so other than that, it was quite similar. There's a lot you can do. So, were you? Did you train in kitchens and stuff before you were in the band, or you were just fucking no? I did. I studied music at right. uni, and I just sort of tried to be in a band for years. So I would do cooking and waiting to kind of keep the money coming in. Do you do any music now? Uh, secretly (laughs) so that one day you can release this sound I'm I'm only speaking because I'm pretty sure this is Sam's thinking it's like secretly do it and then one day you'll just like release your oeuvre and people will be like oh my fucking god and just then the world falls at your feet yeah Yeah. but then I yeah but I'd miss the sandwiches now yeah but you're, you're looking. Sam's looking for church. If so, if you know yeah, any churches, if you know any churches, I need a church to record, oh, to, record it. to record a decktet mm. in, um, which is an idiotic number of musicians. But do you um, quite a lot of wires? Sorry, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> take it down a sort of semi-serious angle. But um, just thinking of our interview with Enrique Olvera last week, two weeks ago, and um, and he was sort of sort of breaking down the maths of how many uh, how much mole they sell and how why oh, yeah. they don't do meat with it and he was like that would be chicken many- breasts yeah how many chickens would have to die every oh, yeah. day if they serve chicken with their mole I think I know where this is going <laughs> <coughs> what do you make of that comment <laughs> yeah I mean I, I worked it out once I can't remember what I came to but it was an astonishing amount of cattle <laughs> per week Morrissey baiting amount of cattle <laughs> yes well you get two you get two briskets per cow and each one is between one and two kilos and we do 500 a week so that's at least 200 cows isn't it crumbs my, my, uh, just but it is fucking delicious it's delicious yeah, it's a, it's a big question, you know. Where, 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 where do, and do you, I mean, presumably your sourcing is all um, immaculate. And yeah, we get it all from uh, a place up in Scotland, uh, which is good. It's all it's mm. a good, responsible butcher. Um, but yeah, I do think about the impact. I just wonder how there are so many cows to go around. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually went up this weekend to. Inverurie, which is where the the butcher is that we get it. It's actually a it's a massive, massive butcher, but I didn't see many cows. Is that Avenue? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You didn't see many cows. No. Hmm. I'm told they're around. Interesting. If they can improve the technology, get it, you know, not I'm not saying in the next five years or whatever, but in the next fifty years, then you could do it so you wouldn't have to kill it. You could just take off the briskets. Yeah, slice and them. And then off. they could sort of grow yeah. them back or whatever. <clears throat> or we could just grow the whole the whole thing. Yeah. So, what's your take on all of that? Um, good, great, crack on. You listen, yeah. What was it? Memphis Meats, that company who sort of the lab-grown, uh, right, yeah. <clears throat> lab-grown meat is fascinating. To hasn't gone public yet, but a lot of people like Branson have gone pretty long, I believe. Because didn't they? They made a burger, didn't they, out of entirely lab-grown meat? But it cost them, you know, like yeah, one hundred and seventy-five grand to oh, make no, one no, burger or something more. I think. Was it? But it's like the first time you sure, sequence yeah. DNA. It costs yeah. however much. Now you can get your own done for two hundred quid. Yeah, in the post. Yeah, I should have done that when I was 
farming my own blood last week. Um, so when you move, don't worry about it. <laughs> When um when you went from so you, originally it was you was where were you selling before you had Hoxton? Uh, Druid Street on uh, Maltby Street Market, right? Uh, which was very very busy, um, and then we moved into a railway arch that. So we left Maltby Street because it got very very expensive for us to do it, and we were only trading on Saturday. There wasn't much point really staying there, so we moved into a railway arch whose back door opened onto Maltby Street. So we opened that back door, and it was like we never left. Right. But we didn't pay any rent. Then. How do you swing that? Uh, we just sort of propped it open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? So, oh, so you just started trading from where you were prepping? Uh, yeah. Okay. And because the back door opened onto it, <laughs> people would ask where we were, and thankfully all the other... We did kind of clear it with the okay. the market Found owners. a good loophole. And I think they were... We I, I mean... I think at the time a lot of people were coming there for us because we'd just been on Tom Kerridge's proper pub food, which right. was like a, a BBC Two primetime cooking show. I've never seen a Reuben in a pub in my life. Yeah, but still, no, I. lovely Although, of them to include you. I'm seeing them more, right. more often now. Not that that's anything to do with us. It probably well, is, probably, to well, be fair. The whole carriage is sort of saying, look, this is pub food. People it was, would have been taking notes. It was um, absolutely amazing because the the week after it aired, we had a thousand people come down to the market. Really? And they were queuing right down the end of the market, out into the street, Crikey. all expecting to get exactly the sandwich that he had. Was that a stressful experience? That was my first weekend with Mark right. <laughs> so I just thought it was like this all the time sold out by 11 o'clock after an hour and then the next sort of four weeks were pretty much like that jeez and we we did we did fairly well off that for probably two years and then we left and, and I think that was the kind of that was the tipping point for us like that's when people really started coming down and noticing us and what was the what was the menu that you were, what were you selling we were selling just three sandwiches. Right. Meat and mustard, the Reuben, and what we call a classic, which is meat and Russian and coleslaw. Right. And chicken soup. Of course. Hmm. And what what made you decide to take the plunge and go bricks and mortar and up? And that was Hoxton was through your first yes. site, yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we felt like we had taken the weekend trade as, as, as big as it was going to get, and... Mark and I had we were doing it full time um, and we were supporting ourselves on two days trading which we thought was pretty good um, but we weren't doing any more than that we weren't we weren't paying ourselves we were like paying ourselves like a grand a month or something but that's it was quite exciting for us and then we just thought we should probably aim to be able to buy a house or something one yep. day so <laughs> we tried to push for some licensing changes in Druid Street that meant that we could be open in the week but it didn't didn't work out um, we couldn't get a longer lease in the arch that we were in longer than three months so we couldn't really invest in proper extraction yeah. or blocking the mouse holes up so mice love brisket yeah it's famous so we did a kickstarter which was 
very well received and successful. But, okay, so this is the you know thing is someone like Monty's just has this aura of just everything went exactly really? as, as planned. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but you said, you know, the, you join, and the weekend you join, you did a thousand people in an hour or whatever, and it was like that for a month, and then you just got so successful, you had to Kickstarter, and that was successful, and you opened Hawks, and, and yeah. obviously it's not quite that simple, but that's definitely... Uh, yeah, well, that's maybe that's a carefully managed uh, yeah. by the PR department. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really do do everything. Yeah. Okay. Actually, we did, we opened with PR, uh, who were brilliant. I think we shared the same people. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Who is that? The Brilliant Fraser. Brilliant Fraser oh, Communications. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we like them a lot. Um, I can recommend them to anyone thinking mm. of getting their own PR. Uh, <laughs> not for themselves. It's quite <laughs> weird having your own PR. I just have someone who... I feel I need... I think I need a personal you, yeah, PR. At this I think point. you do at the moment. Yeah, after, after your... Yeah, so, so, I mean, presumably the Kickstarter stuff is great fun and... and um, no, uh, sorry, it wasn't Kickstarter, was it? The yes, crack, it was. Yeah, okay. Well, 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 we've had... We've had a go at both, right. um, both Kickstarter and Crowdcube. So we started with the Kickstarter, Kickstarter which is uh, a reward-based mm. scheme where it's like you set up a shop and people come and buy a sandwich or a T-shirt and then you get the money that you... We, we wanted to raise £50,000 to buy the equipment for the kitchen and we did it. In, we did it quite quickly, um, which was great. Presumably you needed more money than that to get the doors oh, open. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so how did you get the rest of that? We um, got some private investment from some uh, friends and family. Uh, we sort of asked everybody we knew that we thought had money. Right. And all the people, then all the people we didn't know if they had money, if they could give us the money. And some of them did, um, which was very generous of them. So... The Katz brothers that run Berber and Q. We met them on a Jay Rayner podcast, actually. Uh, Who's? <laughs> oh, yes. He's working. <laughs> do, do, no, there's only one food podcast. This is all that's needed. Yeah. Right? Everyone else can fuck off. Yeah, and Jay will never come on it, unfortunately. That's two you've referenced so far. Other podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do like the Chang one. I haven't listened to Jay's yet. No, I haven't actually. Either. Have you? Uh, well, they were on it. Oh, no, no, no we were no, on the kitchen cabinet. That was kitchen cabinet. Oh, oh, sorry, you met them. Right. Um, they they didn't do the Kickstarter at Monty's a couple of weeks after ago. Four years <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right, the kitchen cabinet, yeah. So that was years ago. We met them through... We met the Katz brothers through that, and they've been helping us. And they actually got most of our investment for us by putting us in contact with the right people and then um, so Gabriel who I used to be in a band with was in Metronomy and on Gabriel's stag party I met Joe I'd known Joe a bit Joe a bit because we used to play with Metronomy on and off and uh, he very kindly put some money in Joe Cocker Joe Cocker that's the right one only musical Joe I can think of Melt. Mount Joseph Mount yes. Joseph Mount yeah Joseph uh, <laughs> yeah so that was good um, and then we got some more investment halfway through the build when we realised we couldn't afford it crikey so that's that's so that sort of thing just makes me feel a little bit sick because the idea of 
raising money and like committing to something and then being like, oh shit. Yeah, it was, we, we took the, we found some structural problems with Hoxton that we weren't expecting and those are just ludicrously expensive yeah. to fix and we were too far along the project to kind mm. of pull out and we thought, well, it's such a huge space, we're going to be in there for years, so we'll, we'll, and anyway, we did it and it's lovely, so... It's a great we're space. It. it is yeah. a lovely space, yeah. Yeah, we're really, really pleased with it. I wish we'd spent a bit more money on the height of the <laughs> benches. But I the think height of the benches? In the kitchen. Oh, oh right, so yeah, yeah. yeah. The restaurant, the actual restaurant. The Why bit don't that you just you sit see, down when yeah. you're prepping? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's just fixed it for you. I, I, was reading, um, I was reading about you guys today, and um, it's like the fact that you would determine that we, you weren't going to have leather bonquettes or whatever you were going to have pleather pleather yeah had to be pleather I yeah. think that's awesome yeah that's a good example of Mark's uh, attention to detail so Mark is basically responsible for Monty's as an idea and all the little details in the front of house the way everything looks he does all the posters artwork lettering and he's he was very impressive in the meetings with the architects just saying like no, we want it to be like this. And how did you find that experience of working with designers and when you've got your fixed idea, but they also want their stamp on it because they want to say this is our design? Uh, yeah, well, we were really clear with them uh, from the beginning. In the, I mean, the architects... So we, uh, in the beginning, we decided to work with an architect rather than just let the builders make the decisions. Mm. Um and I think that worked really well. Um, Dan Mark's Architects. I think they're called something else now. I, I should check that. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, put it on the bottom of the description, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll probably forget. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were brilliant. But we sort of... Yeah, they, they worked really well together in the end. A, a, a little bit testy, but... Yeah, it's, always, it's, it's, always, yeah. it's always a tricky relationship because... You know, there are so many <clears throat> so many factors to sort of Venn diagramize and try and overlap, but you know, you can shout the word budget at a designer so many times and they'll still be like, Yeah, but this is gonna look great. Yeah. There was a we there was a time a when solid we were, gold bar. <laughs> so we had the we had the budget for the build and then we sent it off to tender for the um the builders. And they all came back over double what our budget was. And so we we had to go through this awful process of kind of like taking bits off mm, yeah. the thing and one of the things one day we were like what's what's this it's 30,000 pounds what is it and the architects were like oh that's the ceiling you and I was like but it's it's got a ceiling <laughs> and it was this very fancy acoustic um suspended ceiling right for 30k yeah Stick some foam on that's the That's nice. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good morning at the office when you're like, just yeah. saved us 30k. <laughs> Fantastic. The brisket, the pastrami, um, and now obviously with the bigger menu at... Um, yep. Uh, at Hoxton, what was your sort of thought process? Because that doesn't exist in London, really. You know, certain yeah. places. But that idea that I don't um, know, it was a really long-winded way of. No, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, I mean, what it, are you saying? I'd say he knows what I'm saying. So the listeners know. I uh, say you sort of that, 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 that world of what the food it? that you do. Yeah, 
doesn't necessarily exist in London in the way that you do it, whereas it does in, say, New York or whatever, yeah. and now in LA, a few places, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. that sort of, you sort of, in a way, sort of teaching people what that food is at the same time as trying to build a new business. So. Absolutely. And that was our motivation for doing this whole thing anyway. We just wanted that food culture to exist in London, where it, it hadn't really. People have tried it a few times, varying degrees of success. Um, Ed's Diner. <laughs> Fantastic. They do a great curly fries. They don't. I've where, 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 are, where, so where else would you would you go for a in London? Stonking, yeah, deli style. Uh, good question. Um, and, and how do you describe it? What do, what do you call it? So we call the food we do Jewish soul food, um, which has caused a few problems, um, which I'll come to later. But. Okay. What was the question? Well, well, you know, where else in, you know, before Monty's... Before Monty's, you had, like, Mishkin's, which sadly closed. That was decent. Which was really nice inside. I'm not sure they got the food entirely right, but um, it was great. Um, Then you have the really old-school places like Nosh Bar, which was around here somewhere, I think. Still, still years and years and yeah, years and right. years ago. I don't remember it. I just yeah. you know did yeah. some research. Okay. Um, who else? And there's Blooms in um, in the East End. Yeah. But and but these days there's not there's not there's B and K salt beef. They're good. The Good Egg are doing good things in appetising. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a narrow field. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to we wanted to bring the sort of Jewish deli, the New York, LA style of that to the UK. But what we found is that people don't really, as you said, like nobody really knows what it is. Yeah. Um, so we've over the last two years been like trying to figure out a version of it that people yeah can get on board with, and they can get on board with a big meat filled sandwich. Yeah. But actually, and I mean, most, get, most going, people can, yeah. Because yeah. I've I've been to Hoxton twice, and the what is the, to have a meal there and have all the different things is yeah. is for me like I think that's probably when I started following you on Instagram or something. And, and my wife and I went. It was genuinely, I think it was our favourite meal of was it the year before last or last oh, year. That's amazing. And um, but but because it's that spread of stuff and being able to have this and that and that this and that in a Yeah, that's how we that's how we design that's how we designed it and how we thought people would approach it, particularly in the evening. Yeah. When I mean that's how I like to eat at home and we wanted as probably a lot of people do when they open a restaurant, they just they want people to come and feel like they're at home. Yeah. Um, there are loads of reasons why that doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> especially with Jewish, pay, Jewish yeah. food and <laughs> yeah. Jewish grandmothers, probably. Yeah, everyone has an idea of what they want it to be and how much they want it to be when they come in through the door, and their it's their experience is totally loaded by their previous experience of what their mum, what their grandma made, um, which has made it really difficult sometimes for us, but other other times. Really good, really amazing. So, what sort of, and is that tied into you saying problems with calling it Jewish soul food? Or well, it's incredibly hard to say that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Jewish soul food. So, we get a lot of um, sort of abuse from I mean, people that maybe are that, in slightly 
they just small think, faction of Labour members. Or? Uh, no, no, no. I mean that that happens as well. Right. But we get um, we get a lot of people that say, "How can you call yourself Jewish food when you're not kosher?" Right. And the kind of food that like it's very it's very frustrating to have to explain that there's you can have like culturally Jewish food without having to. Well, a ribbon, the rules a ribbon of, by definition isn't kosher. Exactly, exactly. And like none of the none of the delis in New York or LA that I know of are kosher, and it's just very frustrating. Mm. And especially when we were doing the crowdfunding campaigns, we got a lot of attacks for how can you call yourself Jewish? Did you ever uh, think about putting a hyphen between Jew and Ish? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's one of Mark's favourites, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not Jewish at all, but Mark is is Jewish and like has grown up with his food, and for him to be like accused of cultural appropriation is yeah. like I think that's really bad and really like I can understand why he's so offended by somebody telling him that he can't call yeah his food his like it's yeah it's mad. And so what what was it? sort of going backwards again I guess but what, what made you apart from obviously getting to know Mark and being friends or whatever mm-hmm. what, why was this the food that you wanted to cook uh, well I, I was in New York and I went to Kat's Delhi and I had like like there are a few times when you have like a really unique like food experience and like you eat it when you're eating it you're like this is the best this is a really singular moment and it's mm. definitely the best of this thing that yeah. I've ever had. And um, I had that in um, in Cat's Deli and I just thought I wanted to try and recreate that. I sort of go through these stages of like a short obsessions with a particular type of food and at that point it was pastrami and I was... Um, I think Mark just caught me at the right time when I was obsessing about pastrami and then I sort of went into it like I'm from Reading, there's no, there's no, there's no food culture there. There's not really any culture. Really. <laughs> Careful, we have a big <laughs> listenership in Reading. Oh, do we? Hello. <laughs> so, what, you, what, are so, you, are you from Reading originally? Yes. Born, born and bred in Reading. Born in uh, Peterborough um. and raised in Reading. So, if if Mark had um, encountered you, say, two years previously, what would your obsession have been then? Uh, probably ramen. Um, because I was obsessed with Momofuku, um, amongst other things, and pasta. And I thought I was going to... The original plan was to work with Mark for, like, six months and open a, um, like, a dandan noodle stand. But it didn't, it didn't work. Because you got I, got, I got so uh, distracted. Yeah. But anyway, it's worked out very well. And uh, so, so when you were obsessed with Mamafuku, were you making your own noodles and boiling yes. tons of pork bones? And yeah, I think I got I got the that original cookbook, and um, I still never... still still go back to that book. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great a, book. It's yeah. a great, it's a great book. It's Published not a... by Absolute. If <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for it, it's not a brilliant cookbook in the. It's not a good for the. It's not good for the home cook, but it does tell a wonderful story. <clears throat> oh, it's about, so like, so the, readable, so readable. The mm. process and like I read it cover to cover, 
and the recipes and being like what the hell <laughs> like yeah. what's a you know that you know there's what they call the square space saver boxes things you know they use them in restaurants nine pounds no, no. <laughs> nice try yeah, no. <laughs> I've exposed us all yeah. <laughs> what, what the ones that they sort of approve bread in yeah or, or like pickles oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I love those things, but I don't know what they're called. They're yeah. called pickle buckets. Are they? Probably. Mm. This man sells more pickles than we when, do. When we were struggling with magpie and trying to figure out how to turn it around, that whole chapter in that book about sambar and how they started off doing... Um, yeah. Korean burritos. Korean burritos, and, and then they sort of hit upon that moment and suddenly it was just it that was incredibly comforting to read now that magpie's closed it's yeah. very sad <laughs> to read it again which yeah. I did the other day I was like that was a, yeah the hail, all about the Hail Mary pass yeah. you know the, yeah. the fuck it we're gonna go down we talked a lot about Hail Mary passes we eventually did, yeah. we found one which is to Hail Mary pass the keys back <laughs> to that Lord. too soon um, I mean yeah we've yeah. um We've been very... I mean, I think everyone that's opened a restaurant has been so very close to the line several times. And uh, definitely that... I, I, I remembered that bit mm. a lot. And there's loads where loads of times where I've just been like, oh, maybe we'll... So, I mean, Hoxton Street is not... is, is you know, famously tricky. Not, yep. not a restaurant destination, which is just one of those weird anomalies when you've got... You know, Kingsland Road over with seemingly um, one road over, rather doing you know Vietnamese restaurants that mm-hmm. seem to do pretty well, and then you know Shoreditch on paper is great. Hoxton Square is a bit of a weird one. Anyway, uh, Hoxton Street, how was how how did, how did you and have you found that? So we found it um, <clears throat> because I went to see it on an estate agent said, "Oh, you're looking for a place. This is massive." So I went to see it and I was like, "This is massive. It's enormous." How big like, is it? So. It's two two thousand seven hundred square feet, not including the two hundred square foot basement, which we didn't develop because we were gonna wait to make a bit of money okay. and then put a bar down there or or something. I wanted to put a Chinese restaurant down there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a Maybe. cool move. Yes, I thought. I, I think so. I think there's. Is um, it still undeveloped? Uh, yeah, I mean it's storage. Okay, well, that's pretty. Handy. It rarely floods. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I went to. You probably store your pickle buckets down there, don't you? <laughs> no, we store them in our lovely kitchen, hermetically sealed, yeah. special <laughs> pickling fridge. Um, no, so I went to see this place, and it was enormous. An old bakery. They had three enormous deck ovens in there, three huge mixers that do like 120 kilos Crikey. at a time. And I, I was just really excited to see all this stuff and all this space, and it was free of premium so it seemed yeah seemed all right it looked pretty crappy because it had been a it had been like a a family bakery for 40 years and over those 40 years there have been loads of weird health and safety food safety law changes which meant they had to um put plasterboard up over all the tiles and vinyl over any bricks or anything and put a weird suspended ceiling in. Um, but I sort of looked behind one of these walls and there was loads of beautiful 
Victorian tiles beneath the thing. Why does everyone have these annoying yeah. stories about yeah. Russell Fucking Norman? Russell about Norman. Oh, I just took my hammer out, smashed a hole in the wall, and there was solid gold. <laughs> <laughs> Tutankhamun's <laughs> old house. It was a bit like that. Um, Two lottery tickets with the same numbers on, <laughs> and they're both one. Um, call back to before you arrived. But anyway. Um, so you found this, this beautiful tiling and... Beautiful tiling. I rang Mark and said I found this beautiful tiling. Mark loves beautiful tiling. And then we... Yeah, we, we sort of took it. Um, knowing that even if the restaurant part of it was a disaster, we had a huge production kitchen with extraction that we could serve mm. like several several sites with. And that was always the plan to kind of do one site but have a big enough space that we could make enough for the other sites which is mm. which is what we've done uh yeah so how many how many have you got in the kitchen there if you're doing all how many this? people yeah three people um all the time crikey so not many given you've got no because you've got victoria market halls yeah victoria market halls and old spitalfields market yeah um, and how have they been? Like, I mean, obviously there's expansion, but specifically to going into A1s? A, A1s? They're, they're weird, uh, weirdly zoned. Okay. Um, Market Halls is a full um, A3 restaurant right. situation. Um, Spitalfields is a market situation, but we have we're, we have extraction and we can cook, we can fry things, we can do whatever you like in them. Um, and we were asked to do that by um, Nuno which was good and he brought in loads of sort of fancy fancy people and some of us are still there and like it's changed a little bit from the initial idea but we do we do pretty well down there um, I think what we found when doing that was that people want to eat a Reuben at lunch and that's what they want that's what they want to that's how they want to engage with us really and um yeah, that the success of that place led us to to do the market halls thing. Yeah, because we, Simon Anderson of Market Halls used to come for lunch. Right, and, the, and obviously, as in, we're doing this thing in a new development or whatever. Oh yes, yeah. the sandwich thing. Yeah, no, now we're at war. <laughs> That's perfect timing. He's coming. So, so. Um, but Rubens are very very we, bad we, sellers. We, we, <laughs> No, yeah. we're not, we're not, we would not, we're not, not even going to begin to attempt to emulate no. or compete with you. No, um, no, definitely not. That's not not the angle whatsoever. Um, but and how was that going into? Because you know, it's quite a sort of flashy. It's a new development, you know, new sort of spot. How's that been going in a place like that, brand new? And it was um, well, the bit that we were in was is brand new, but there was there were forty or fifty traders there before us right so they took most of those out and then put 10 traders in that were selling things for twice the price of what the people who'd come there to get their lunch were used to so there was a bit of resistance from them initially but now I think they've cottoned on that it's a better offering and they we get lots of repeat custom from people in the area and it's pretty good it's pretty good. Lovely. Mm. Well, see you at dawn with <laughs> pistols. <laughs> so, no. Cold Drops Yard, what, uh, how, how did that happen? Well, I don't know, were you talking about this yet? Yeah. 
We um, we we went to have a look around when it was still a building site, um, and got shown. I think we did as well. Yeah, right. So we got shown what is now the Muteria, mm-hmm. and thought that was cool, but not quite. R- I can't even remember why. I think it was too big for what we. Yeah, I think that was the main put off there, and then we got shown what is now. Alan Ducasse's chocolate factory. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Have you um, been? Is it, is no, it no, good? No. I'm sure it's great. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was too small. <laughs> yeah. It was like Goldilocks time. Yeah. yeah. And then we got shown what is now Hitchy, and we were like absolute hook, line, sinker, and just just came up with a concept to go in there, which we then didn't get it, which, you know, was a shame because we put a lot of time and effort into that. Mm. Um, and then they said... And we've also got this place, I think it's the site office, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. So they're like, this isn't going to be ready till after the whole other thing's open, but if you want to have a quick look at it, and we well, had a quick look at it and thought, that would be absolutely perfect for this sandwich nonsense we're thinking about. Um, so that was that. Mm. I mean, it's never, it never quite as simple as that. That was last May. Yeah. But it was, I mean, the, the thing about doing sandwiches as well was coming off the back of Magpie being what Magpie was. Um, and the idea of doing, you know, a full-service restaurant. Yeah. And then we saw the Inche site, which was, oh, yeah, we'd definitely do a full-service restaurant here. This would be fun. And we came up with a silly idea. Um, but then we didn't get that. It was sort of sensibleness reigned again. And it was like, oh, this could be fun and to do something that, can bring to bear some of the hospitality parts of the restaurant thing but mm. you know but make sandwiches which are my favorite thing to eat the problem with sandwiches is that nobody it's like when everyone's got an idea of how much a sandwich could cost yeah and that is not more than 10 pounds yeah like i don't know anyone who's broken the 10 pound do you not break the 10 pound mark no do oh we do on the reuben special if you which go is like yeah. our biggest sandwich but yeah I think the price of that is part of its appeal to the yeah. people that it appeals to. They, they like they they want to have they want something special. Part of the fun is spending the money on it. But <laughs> yeah. every I mean, we have people walking down Hoxton Street looking at the menu, and you can see the you can see the reaction. Yeah, on their faces. Um, that is definitely part of the challenge. Is I mean, we don't especially want or hopefully not need you know, unless the ingredient costs just get completely out of control. But we don't want to break the ten pound barrier. But um, even just the mentality of you know spending eight quid on a sandwich when people like I can get <clears throat> three fifty for whatever in prep. Yeah, but it's in these you spend eight fifty on a burger without blinking. Yeah, spend eleven quid on a burger without blinking. That's why I tell people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. That's why I'm not allowed to talk to the customers. <laughs> Listen, you. <laughs> Table 42, get out. Because you have Hoxton, which is doing that whole menu, which yeah. I keep banging on about that because I still just I mean you said you went to Katz's and had one of those yeah. things when I went to Monty's I was like fucking hell this is like there is nowhere else in town in London that you can have this meal that we had yeah. which is and that was a complete world to me I've never you know been to Katz's I've been to Russ and Daughters or whatever but to have that in London it felt so specific to London even yeah. though it's you, you know with the history behind that food is one thing but just to have it in London like it had never been anywhere and had a meal like that which was 
rare to find a sort of um, original thought in a way mm -hmm. and and now you so you have that as your base where you have this much bigger menu and then you you sell sandwiches at um, market halls and like you said people just want to come and have a Reuben yeah I mean that's been quite difficult for me as the sort of creative lead in the kitchen because whilst I was inspired originally by the like that moment in Cats really was an access into this whole world of food that I knew nothing about and then I I've made like several trips back to New York um where I sort of discovered Russ and Daughters, which I just thought was an amazing, like a, one of those perfect restaurant experiences, like Katz's as well. It's another perfect place. Like I wouldn't change anything about it. But like the way that the refined, everything is just so nice yeah. and neat and not in an annoying, like make it nice type way. It's He's in town at the moment. So watch it? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, he, was Love a, your work. he was a brat last night, so... Why isn't he sitting where Owen is? Because we're, we're, we're not nice enough for Daniel Hume. I don't think. I'd rather have you say, yeah. just for the record. Yeah, thank so, you. It's just, it was sort of a cheap joke, and then I'd no rather really eat laughed, at Monty's so. than, you know. Sorry, no, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, yes. Russ and Daughters, and then like other restaurants I love, like Joe Beef in Montreal. Like, it's sort of the spirit of doing things presenting food that is I don't know it's just we don't really have any places like that that do it in with that sort of spirit of like the generosity and like the making things nice in that particular way yeah which is a very sort of North American thing I think yeah I um, think that, but I think there's definitely a difference as you said between the Joe Beefian version of generosity yeah. and the excess um, ex yeah excess but it's also just with with that smile Refined. with yeah, a yeah. grin with a with a sort of you know a pat on the back as opposed to the slightly which I don't mean to christen because I'm sure and I haven't eaten there but the sort of 11 Madison Park um Will Gadara yeah um who runs the front of house there but the, the his kind of Slightly, I don't know. So there's something weirdly that feels very American, you yeah. know, USA, about his thing about being so nice, and whereas the Joe Beef thing feels slightly more like, for yeah, it's just a couple of guys to, uh, with a bit of cynic cynicism behind it, like a yeah. fun kind of British yeah. cynicism, like a tongue in cheek, yeah, kind of as opposed to the Will Gadara thing, which is like we will make all of your dreams come true, yeah, and it's like, well, how do you know that about me? That's creepy. So I think like Mark and I are not from a restaurant background and like I'd never been to a restaurant before I was 19, 20. Really? And I'd certainly never been to like a good restaurant until I moved to London in 2012, really. Because I'm from a massive family, there's like seven of us, so right. you can't really take a family of seven to a, a restaurant if you could find one in Reading that isn't Nando's, yeah. which I love. But, um, Disclaimer. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you remember the first restaurant you went to then? Uh, yes. What, in London? Uh, answer the question, how have you liked? Uh, the first restaurant I went to was probably on holiday in France. Um, and I think it was a pizza place. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, which was weird, but nice. Um, but in London, it was Bistro Tech, actually. That's, that's a pretty solid start. Yeah. And I was an underrated just, restaurant. I was just amazed. I was amazed. The whole thing just like totally 
amazed me. And then the day after we went to Coya, when it oh, was right. when it was just like tables in a yeah. room, and it was fucking great. So was that where the noodle obsession began? I mean, uh, I mean, ramen was your maybe. jam, but I guess so. Hmm. I've always liked long carbs, though. <laughs> <laughs> long carbs. <laughs> it's just they're just the best thing. Um, yeah. Right, Owen. Quiz time. Yeah, Sam's, yeah. On a, Sam's on a tight schedule. Uh, no, we're fine. We've got ten minutes. Um, okay, what do you want to do first? The quick fire or overrated, underrated? Uh, overrated, underrated. Do you have any objections to me, A, filming you, <laughs> B, photographing you? No. Great. I don't know. Do I look really tired? <laughs> no, you look, I see you look very photogenic, and the, the light is bouncing off that window there, so actually the light on you is lovely. Uh, okay, overrated, underrated. Okay. Your cooking skills. Underrated. <laughs> Correctly rated. <laughs> Do you think they're highly rated by people or underrated? By I don't rated? know if. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I asked this question because your Instagram, which mm-hmm. you, sh- you should. Uh, listeners, you should follow. You want, well, I forget what's who, who are you on Instagram? O Barrett. B A R R A T. Because you're very sort of self deprecating about the things you cook at home. Oh yeah, well, not, not like you're like this was garbage, but you're like, oh, this happened and that happened, and look what I did, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's how you cook, isn't it? Sure, but I think <laughs> the fact that you put out the conversation before it's oh, on the plate nice. is quite. Um, oh, thank you. So I'm going to say you're underrated. So I'm answering that oh, for cheers. you. Okay. Uh, folk music. Um, don't say all music's folk music. Um, uh, correctly rated. Do you, how do you feel that people feel about folk music? Well, people correctly feel that it's brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, but so you're into like the acoustic guitar and the woolly jumper and the. Uh, I, I used to be. Affair. I used to be very, very into it. Really? Um, yeah. But it's. I think it's good. Okay. Some of it's good, but then that's true of everything, isn't it? Yeah, like is you just true. need to know where to okay. point your ears. Um, tinned vegetables. Uh, specifically. It's an umbrella. Tinned peppers can be good. Tinned cabbage can be good. Tinned cabbage? Sauerkraut. Oh, sure. Yeah. The best, the best, pickled, the best pickled things are often in, in tins. Really? So, like, the best... Um, so, you sauerkraut in a tin as opposed to in a jar? Yeah, if I have to buy it, really? I would, I'd buy it in a tin. Especially if you're near those Turkish places. All the best pickles are the ones in tins. Oh, that's good to know. Mm. Uh, the ability to run fast. Uh, correctly rated. Can you run fast? No. No, I mean, no. I don't run out of the knees. Okay. When you were a kid, were you like a fast runner? You do runner? have knees. I do have knees. But just not the right ones. When you were a kid, were you a fast runner? Um, no. I don't think so. I was pretty uh, pretty mid- middling at every sport, apart from swimming, where I was slightly above middling. Did you do water polo? No. I'm from Reading. <laughs> um, could, you, could you run fast? No. You run now, don't you? But I remember uh, several episodes of humiliation at school regarding my lack of pace. Yeah, me too. Either between the wickets or just on the 100 metres. Yeah. Someone once said I had the turning speed of a, uh, what's it called? Combine harvester. Nice. Yeah. Some of those are quite 
Um, These days they are, but back, can, back then, Owen, it was... I've been playing Farming Simulator <laughs> as part of my recovery. Wow. Is that a, it's really good. Is that like the Sims sort of... Um, like SimCity, but it's, on a farm. It's like SimCity, but you know when you zoom in really far in SimCity, you're like, yeah. oh, I wish I could control the Combine Harvester. Well, this is the, you this can is just the do game. That. What's that film about the, the Beverly Hillbillies? I don't know. Was the, the <laughs> Beverly Hills then go to live in the countryside. It's oh. very funny. <laughs> probably not I think my dad said to me once that you've never known frustration until you've watched you play football because <laughs> you can play football but you're so slow you never get to the ball oh, God. Like, if you get to the ball you do something good with it but you're like going and I think I'm flying like in my head I'm like a kid in a movie because like, you're running as fast as you can yeah and it feels really fast mm. but it's incredibly slow um overrated underrated quickly rated sort of niche herbal liqueurs you know, fernet and stuff like that. Um, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Alcoholic, alcoholic. Um, you a fan of those? I do. I do like. A, I do like fernet in a cocktail. Correctly rated. James, how do you feel about? Uh, uh, oh, um, I like them very much. I think there's a, a slight fetishization of them when it's like. They're not. Some of them are like pretty grim. Yeah, I like them. I think they're overrated, though. I'd say that, especially sort of within the industry, it's like yeah, yeah there's a Strega. It's, like, it's yeah. disgusting. It's like, look how much I know about yeah this. Yeah. I'm going to drink this horrible thing. Yeah, <laughs> just because I know <laughs> and I like it. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, this is made from artichokes. Yeah, and that is why it's foul. Um, okay, the quick fire. Uh, your taste in shorts. Uh, short. I don't know why. You go with the high cut kind of number. Well, anything below the knee is no good. <laughs> no. So the only way you can go is is up. The only way is up. <laughs> <laughs> They're very much in fashion this season. So I read in the Sunday Times. Good to know I'm still on the. <laughs> you are on that cutting edge of fashion. I thought they have been quite some years now. I think this year is a big year. Or, or does Owen go really short? I don't know how short Owen goes. It feels like he goes short because he opened with high. I don't. <laughs> Straight off the bat, he wasn't like well, shorts. He was. <laughs> you mean pants. shorts? Yeah. <laughs> if you look like you should be on a pair of rollerblades in the sixties, yeah, then that is too short. Um, what's the worst herb? Um, oh god, the worst herb is uh, lemon thyme without a shadow of a oh, doubt. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> that is a fine, fine choice. I think Jeremy Lee said that as well. Really? Yeah. What's well, your- a chocolate mint? I think it's disgusting. Like any 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 variant of mint or thyme. Like mm. pineapple thyme is pineapple. Oh, thyme. I don't mind that. It's not pineapple mint. The problem is my my mum is obsessed with um, these variants of thyme and has filled the garden. Uh, okay. So you're making something nice and you go out into the garden, you grab some of what you think is thyme, and then it tastes of coffee yeah. or something. Mm. Uh, I th- yeah, I think lemon lemon time is a good shout. My other one would be marjoram. It's nonsense. It's not fuck it's off. You're just trolling it's me. Don't, troll, don't live troll me. Marjoram's rubbish. Marjoram's a fantastic. It's herb. rubbish. It's, it's rubbish. A, it is a fantastic herb that transforms when you dry it. Yeah, Fresh um, marjoram. You eat. You mm. will eat marjoram more often than you think, my friend. I know. I know because oh, what is it? Oh, is it marjoram? No, it's oregano. It's the same they, thing. They are basically the same thing. That yeah. would be a good taste test. Um, what a total difference. <laughs> 
No one ever has. Yeah. That could be your new uh, that's feature. My, that's my new <laughs> <That's my laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Right, every guest from now on, we have plants and plants on the thing. Uh, what album do you think you've listened to most in your life? Um, I know this to be... This is incredibly embarrassing, but it's... Um, it's Counting Crows, August <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Whoa, I will not be visiting Monty. I just really nailed that album when I was a teenager. Yeah, 15, 15, 14, 15, I was all over that. Yeah, well, wow. I, I grew oh. up with it in the car, with mm. Dad playing it, and I've actually revisited it yeah. recently. So hold up. I'm definitely going to listen to that after a few drinks tonight. It's an astonishing. It's an astonishing. That creation. song they had on that Cruel Intentions movie when she's coming up on the. Hey, escalator. that was on this desert life. Keep up. Yeah, that not a good album. No, all right. no, they're all brilliant. <laughs> I used to think Anna Begins was about me and this chick called Anna. <laughs> Pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> but can't rule it out. <laughs> How does he them. know <laughs> what I? <laughs> feel? I always hated them. My brother and his mate Liam would sit in his room doing this. They had this bong that they'd altered. So nobody else could take a hit off this bong because you would just vomit. So my friend Paul had a go on it once and just threw up in the garden. But they would sit in the room listening to either to August and everything after or Scatman. Good <laughs> oh, combo. Yeah. What's yours? Oh, it's with Tom Waits Rain Dogs or something <laughs> really edgy. That's what not. is it? Uh, what would it be? Probably. No, it'd probably be Kid A. I saw um, last night. I went to see Tom York's new. Oh, did you? Piano orchestral in Paris. It was in the Barbican. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. How was it? It was. Um, it was alright. It was a bit <laughs> like um, all his other shows. <laughs> Imagine right? you're Tom York. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what will I do now? Yeah. That's what it's. If it sounded okay. <laughs> right. like that. What do you mean, bar to bar? It was just like piddly, 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 diddly, diddly, do, Tom York. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what he's been doing for yeah. quite some time now. And that's good. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see what people do without anybody telling them that it's they should do something different. Mm. Yeah, because you imagine, because like Johnny knows his stuff. Mm -hmm. So Johnny must, and he can't be like, mate. Because <laughs> Johnny really knows his but stuff. But I was into that soundtrack and you never let me play it. Which one? The Phantom Thread one. I love that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I, I just mean if, if you're Johnny and yeah. Johnny Green. Johnny's and York, looking down on it. Johnny's probably thinking, mate, come on. Yeah, it's, a bit, mean, that's, it's a bit Radiohead B-side. Not that I've seen it, so maybe it's not. You but. need that. It's more, it's more like, I don't know, it felt like... It's good. I think people are going to like it. The whole performance of it was weird. Did you see that picture of him uh, at the march? No. Someone's. It was just like you know Guardian stock basically, and it just happened to have Tom York in it, quite like near the front, just looking like he'd he'd seen a ghost. He but looks he's quite. Yeah. No, that's that's Tom. <laughs> he's probably yeah. just thinking about like like cheese or something. <laughs> um, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, vanilla. Yeah, well, I can't. Great digest question. Quick answer. Yeah, fantastic. I can't digest dairy, so the, you know, having vanilla ice cream—that's something I really miss. Malt ice cream is an incredible thing. All right. Um, which seasonal food can fuck off? Uh, I'm not going to say wild garlic. 
But Ooh. I will say Elvers. Oh, the yeah. Very bad. Bad form. We should not eat those. Yeah. Is that bad form sort of ethically? Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. horrifically bad. Yeah. Because you're eating all the eels before they've grown. And there's fuck Mate, all you them. kill how many cows a week? Come well, on. There's loads of cows. Right. Uh, Elvers are gross, aren't they? <laughs> I didn't... I'm, <laughs> I had them at um, Etchebarri and they were pretty good, but I was still like, this could be anything. Mm. It just tastes too much like smoke. A grown up eel, if someone hadn't killed it. Yeah. Such you drove past uh, And the final <laughs> question of the quick fire what's the most annoying. Sorry, Sam, what's your uh, seasonal ingredient like? Oh, yeah, I mean wild garlic, but I think I took a swing at it last week. I was, it's more just we, we probably take a swing at it every year on the podcast. Yeah, we probably do. Um, wild garlic mayonnaise is a weird. Thing that does not look good. In what in what way? It's like very vibrant pale green. I think it's a lovely colour. Is that? Oh. I, I'm just. I'm yet you to see that, something. Your nettly one that was bright green today. That was killer. Which made a nettle for the Scotch egg challenge tonight. I'm doing a cold Scotch egg because no one's brave enough to do that with uh, nettle <laughs> mayonnaise and ants. <laughs> God's sake! Ants. That really Are they seasonal? That no, really it's shake the judges up. Ants are always around. And you're last. I think I'm, I'm one you of them. La- you are I last. am dead last. You are last. You're How 20. cold is it? Uh, it's in the fridge at the moment, mm. and it's cooked. But no one does it. <laughs> anyway, Someone uh, should do, like, a hot dog. You know, like, uh, what's that what's the emulsified meat called? Force meat. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. A, hot a really dog. bouncy hot dog. A hot dog's got a chug. That is a good idea. A, Next boiled, year. a boiled one. Like, yeah. boil it to order. That's classy. So you don't fry it, you boil it. Yeah. But then how are you crumbing it? You're not... Fuck crumbs. No. <laughs> uh, the final question. Uh, the most annoying thing that Mark does. Uh, Just why he's not here to defend himself. Well, Mark does lots of annoying things, so it's hard to choose. <laughs> Pick one. Um... I can't. I can't pick. I can't pick one. Mark's brilliant. At everything. Very supportive. Oh, that was a nice. That's nice. James, what's the most annoying <laughs> thing that your business partner does? Out. Oh, out of time. Out of time. <laughs> Thanks, Owen. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, everyone, go to Monty's. It's the best. Bye. Bye. Say bye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs>